Hello, welcome to the Master Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Henry. I'm another Kairos Matthew. And today we are talking about blockbusters in the modern landscape and how kind of somewhat worrying it is that big movies, or at least even mid-budget movies, don't really get that much of the box office anymore. Um, and that when it comes down to it, we're getting a lot of, we might, we might you know, be very excited for these movies, but very intellectual property kind of sequel reboot movies um mm-hmm. i'm just going to be talking through that because there is both positive and negatives to it so we'll be going through everything that comes to our mind really <laughs> over the next couple of about an hour or so <laughs> um, <laughs> um but before that just wanted to let you know that we have a, a instagram account at marvelous Film podcast i'm i'm to say i'm going to co host um, um a lot of times we've done this, you can tell. Yeah. Um, Instagram account at Marvelous on a podcast. Uh, yeah, we have reviews over there. Um, at the moment, we're a bit, kind of a bit in a. We're doing a lot of work at the moment, so it's kind of hard to get them out. We do have mm-hmm. a lot, though, like ready to go out. We're not like done. We have like a lot of reviews ready to go. We're just. Yeah, we do. We do. Like swamped with work at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll have reviews out at some point, and we have a podcast coming out, usually on Monday. Uh, we'll try to get that out as much as possible. Um, also got a Twitter account at Cinema Marvelous, um, where it's the same thing over there essentially, but just on Twitter. And feel free to contact us or retweet it or share or post or whatever you want to do. Um, very much appreciate if you want to, you know, support our channel, I guess account. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> um, but yeah. But do you want to do you want to go into? I guess your consensus on how i don't know your opinion on what the blockbuster landscape is at the moment yeah so it's 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 sort of something you so you get yet told a lot now in sort of a session like sessions we do at master's level or even just union level especially if you, you you write in scripts or whatever it's that most ideas that get published now are as you've sort of mentioned in your introduction they are based on existing ips yeah. intellectual properties whether it be a sequel that that's whether it be a recent sequel or an older sequel like we were seeing recently which which we'll get into but as well the fact that people are reluctant to 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 finance a film unless there's some sort of guarantee of an audience yeah so that's if it's based on a book or a, a previous property that kind of thing mm. um and it, it stems to tv shows as well Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You hear most most shows that are getting commissioned now are, you know, Amazon's some of Amazon's biggest shows are, you know, they're finishing with the Expanse and their first instinct now is to adapt Mass Effect, <laughs> if reports are to, to be believed, or you know, there are other other cases where where books and and various other things are being adapted. Like you see a lot with video games as well now. I've got Mario coming up. Yeah, Chris Pratt's Mario, <laughs> which will go well, I'm sure. Um, and it, in some ways, it just comes off as, as a bit cheap in some cases, where it's not done as well as it should be. Yeah, there are cases where it can be done well. Um, hope we're hoping that the two that come out this month, Spider-Man: No Way Home and Matrix Resurrections, are examples of it done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it can be from the perspective of someone who you know wants to maybe one day get into this business mm-hmm. it can be a bit uh, overshadowing and a bit 
doom and doom inducing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that nobody really cares about original ideas. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like a really low budget kind of thing, or unless you're Christopher Nolan, in which case, you know, even if you told them you got a script about Bugs Bunny, <laughs> Warner Brothers or now Universal would throw 160 million at you. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, um, yeah. I think that's one of the few avenues out of it is a big name director. Mm-hmm. Um, and even recently, though, that even that's kind of been disproved because I mean, Ridley Scott made a, you know, like an epic, you know, uh, historical epic movie, and that's kind of his wheelhouse and what people know him for. And The Last Jewel, the movie that came out earlier mm-hmm. this year, that completely bombed and nobody saw it. Um, which is the same because it's a really good movie and a lot of and it's, it's not even it's not even like a, a small cast or anything. It's a pretty large star to star of the cats cast mm-hmm. and a big name director. And yet, because it wasn't literally a sequel or a reboot or a remake or something, it didn't perform well at the box office. Um, and I think, of course, we've got to you know at least mention that a part of this is definitely due to COVID, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, People are still very afraid of go cinemas, which makes complete sense. I understand that completely. Um, but I think it's I think it's still worrying all that. And I think the big example that kind of came to mind that really made me think about this was um, the amount of pre-ticket sales on No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of proves that people are willing to go. It's just for the big movie of the year, and which is usually a sequel or uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything else is kind of at the moment, and hopefully it doesn't continue. But at the moment, everything else is kind of falling to the wayside a bit, um, mm-hmm. which you know is worrying. Because if you don't write a script that's about a Marvel character, then you don't have an end to this industry, and it was already hard to begin with. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's concerning, and I think I think it would, yeah, I don't know. I think did you? Do you think that it's? Do you think that it's at least at this point in time majorly down to COVID, or do you think that still it's going to have like a long term effect in terms of cinemas? I think there's no doubt that it, it's still with us, mm-hmm. and it still has a, as a presence. It's not as much of a presence as it was, but it's still a, a factor. There are a lot of people who will be afraid to go to the cinema. I, even I of late since cinemas reopened i haven't been as much as i would have been normally mm, same yeah there have been a lot of cases where maybe there's a film that ordinarily i'd be like yeah sure why not let's give it a go mm-hmm. where it's kind of been a case of well do i really want to go <laughs> yeah and it's, it's made me reconsider sure there have been examples like the suicide squad which was the first one i actually saw when cinemas reopened the mm-hmm. Spider-Man, there's Eternals even, so these really big films mm-hmm. where I've, yeah, I, I was always going to go to, but it is the smaller ones, even because even something like Ghostbusters I was on the fence about I did go yeah. to the end, but yeah. I, you know, it, it was one of those ones that was kind of on the edge mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot that I would have seen had there not been COVID. I think one of the examples for me would have been, I might have seen Halloween Kills. Mm-hmm. Um, again, but again, even that's a sequel. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm thinking in my mind that it's a lower budget just because it's a lower 
budget than a Marvel or a Star Wars film, but it is still a sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and really, those are the only sort of studios that can afford to take that risk, knowing mm-hmm. they've got a sequel with an existing fan base out there. Yeah. It's um, yeah. You kind of have to have like an inbuilt, already pre-made fan base, <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of to ensure that people will be going. And I think because I went to see um, last week, was it? I think uh, yeah, I want to see West Side Story, mm-hmm. um, and it was really amazing, and I loved it. And I think. And I was there in the cinema, and it was only me in the cinema. Really? Yeah, just me. And I was, I don't know what I was expecting, but I think West Side Story is a very famous musical. It hasn't had a, it hasn't had a film adaptation in a long time, like literally decades. Um, the last film was amazing as well, and that was a while ago, but people have a lot of love for this, this kind of story. And so it is a remake still. And it has Steven Spielberg directing it, and that is all over the trailers. They keep on saying his name in the trailers, and and, and like, it's very confusing that I went to the cinema and I was all alone. And then later on, I found out that the film was not doing well at all uh, in the box office, um, which is a shame because again, it's it's concerning because meaning that not only is it not IP driven films, because technically, what's the story is probably an IP now because it is a musical it is a famous musical and it is it's got a broadway it's got a play probably and it's all that sort of thing but mm-hmm. even that isn't getting people buying tickets because it's not a sequel as such it's not the chapter in an ongoing story that is going to mm. culminate in some big two-part epic sort of thing mm-hmm. um, yeah and, because as well part of it is that if you think of marvel and, and star wars to some extent it's it's got to the point where I don't really think of them as sequels. Mm, yeah. It feels weird to describe them as, 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 as a sequel, even though they are, because they're so episodic now. Mm, yeah. Like, it, in, my, in my mind, it was always a case of, well, a sequel is another story that comes after the original one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the actual definition. I doubt it was some Oxford, Oxford uh, <laughs> dictionary person had actually written that in the, in the dictionary, but... Um, in my mind, that's kind of what, what, what a sequel always was. But now with sort of Marvel and Star Wars, they do feel more like installments. Yeah. They which feel, you know. Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not necessarily a negative. Because um, one of the things sort of I would like to mention is it's not necessarily Marvel's fault because what else are they going to make? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and Lucasfilm, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, maybe a few others, but what are they going to make? It's not their fault that that money's being thrown at them. It's more down to sort of the system of other studios trying to mimic that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in a way, they are. I suppose they are right in that no, nothing going to draw a crowd in like those films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's. You know, it's at the point now where partly it mightn't be a case of trying to make more of an effort with the audiences. Mm. And that effort needs, it can't just be one studio, because if it's one studio, that one studio is going to drown. <laughs> yeah. It needs to be all of them making more, more of an effort. And if it means losing money, they're not going to do it, especially now. Because as well as 
as well as audiences being less likely to go to the cinema, studios are going to be less likely to spend money. For example, Disney, they've lost billions due to the parks being closed. Mm, yeah. They are still throwing money at things, but even they're still going to be cautious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and a lot, a lot of studios, a lot of studios struggle and go under pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now, how, how are they going to cope? Mm. And I, I'm so bleak. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is kind of, it is kind of a bleak subject, I guess, because it is, it is kind of worrying, and I think it, it kind of rings true for a lot of history with films. I think every new trend is the worst thing ever to happen it's going to ruin cinema like i think mm-hmm. that's always been a thing i always think it's always going to be like some new big issue um but i do think this is probably and i think probably everyone has said this but in the past but i do think this issue that we're into now is maybe incredibly risky where we're at at the moment and i'm i yeah i think disney and you know marvel and star wars i think it makes sense that you know they would make more star wars and make more marvel um because people are going to them, then yeah, go to them, and that's still that is still a movie being made, and people are going to the movie to see them. That's still it's still a movie, and people are still seeing them. Um, it's just it's just worrying that it's it's so kind of narrowed down to one genre of film mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, you can kind of pinpoint like what big months are there going to be in the year for movies based on when there's going to be one film out of a franchise rather than just a film looks good because the director looks good and the director worked really hard on it and the writer's really famous and all that sort of thing. It's it's not really about who's making it anymore. It's more about what studio's making it mm-hmm. and what sequel it is to what other thing it might be connected to or what it might hint towards in the future. Um, and I think, you know, I think I was, <laughs> I was on TikTok, ironically, um, recently, <laughs> And I saw this video and it was like this guy, you know, talking about how he's going to see the new Spider-Man film. And it was him, like the whole kind of point of video was that, oh, I was going to be really excited to see it. But once I've seen it, all the hype will be gone from the past, like two years now almost, <laughs> um, <laughs> of this film being made and all the rumours and all that sort of thing, the casting announcements and all that. And it is a, it is kind of worrying me that maybe maybe films are becoming hype machines for themselves and that's that's the moves that are going to make money and the actual you know the other films that are not necessarily hype machines for themselves not making you know they're not hype hype themselves up for the big franchise reveal or the whatever it's mm-hmm. just a film because someone wanted to make a story about this character or something like that it's it's very limited now that you can't you don't really get that very often that are mm-hmm. popular movies at least um and also we have streaming which has massively changed how films are watched i think um to think you know you could almost rely studios could almost rely that dvd sales would almost be like a second box office Mm -hmm. um but that's no longer a thing anymore (laughs) so it's you kind of got to rely entirely on your cinema release and if people aren't going to see in a cinema then what are they going to take from that um because we can't support it later on. We've only got a time window of maybe a month to see like The Last Duel or What's Our Story, and then that's mm-hmm. it. And because we are like, you know, we are, when we buy a ticket, we are telling them what we want to see. Um, 
I think a really great example is the Transformers movies. All mm. were terribly reviewed. Audiences liked each one worse than the last one. Um, everyone kind of agreed that it was kind of this, the epitome of just Hollywood bad blockbuster sort of things. But then somehow, you know, every film made a lot of money. And did they ever change the director or the writer or how they were making those films? No, because they were making money. The only time they stopped making movies like that was when the last film didn't make as much money and they thought, I might as well do a reboot now because people didn't pay to go see it as much. Um, so the reviews didn't matter for the past five films. It was just the box office of the last one that made them go, let's make a smaller scale movie with Bumblebee. Um, so, yeah, if we're telling them what we want with our tickets and unfortunately people aren't asking for a varied amount of things <laughs> it's just this one this one thing which is the sequel or the reboot mm-hmm. um which is a shame yeah. and i think and the weird thing is i think you agree we're both we are both marvel fans <laughs> so <laughs> it's weird that we're complaining about our favorite thing being very popular <laughs> um but it just comes with like a weird cost um in the large scope i guess and yeah are you, yeah, are you worried? <laughs> um, so it's something that I've always had in the back of my mind is that people, people have said before, there have been phases in the past, in cinema's past, where one thing has been really big. So, so similar to, to what you were alluded before, you know, every, every new thing that happens is supposed to be the death of cinema. <laughs> yeah. Um, and sort of, Something that maybe goes in tandem with that is there have been great phases in the past of cinema. Perhaps mm. the biggest one being the Western. There was there was a period where everybody loved Westerns. We had a bit of John John Wayne, <laughs> a bit of John <laughs> yeah. Wayne riding a horse, um, mm. that sort of thing. Eventually, it faded, and but it never really died. I'd, I'd say completely. Yeah. Um, film. Film, Western films did continue. There's sort of been more near westerns and revisionist westerns that have come in recent mm-hmm. years. Like the, the, the one on Netflix, The Harder They Fall. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't seen it yet. No. I have. It's good. <laughs> I'd recommend it. It's good. It's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it's kind of maybe a, maybe a, a template for how comic book films will go in that maybe eventually they won't be as popular. But if people still pay to see them, they will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and sort of considering a load of factors, whether it be people afraid to go to the cinema, the economic impacts of COVID and that people might have less money to spend, which means less trips to the cinema, which means they'll be more picky. If they're more picky, they're more likely to go for a safer option that they know they're going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spider-Man is that option. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and so, not many others stand the chance. And, and like you said, I am, you know, foremost. I am. I am a Marvel fan. I'm a Star Wars fan. I love those films. I'm incredibly grateful for them. It's more regret about how other studios have reacted to that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, um, especially like you know, big example being that DC tried to replicate exactly what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyone, anyone that's in the position where they maybe have a few IPs, you saw Universal do it. They tried to make a MonsterVerse. 
They did, yeah. <laughs> that went so well. <laughs> um, even, even Transformers to some extent, you know, if they, they they sort of tried to do it with Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. But if I remember rightly, I don't think Bumblebee did all that well. I think it did all. It did, it did all care. For it didn't budget. do badly. No, no. Um, but it wasn't a billion dollar hit. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Um, speaking of which, do you think this is sort of off topic? But do you think either Spider Man? Or maybe, maybe more like Spider-Man. Do you think it could make a billion? Mm, I don't think Matrix will. Um, no. I think Spider-Man... I think Spider-Man has, is the first one that has a chance to do that mm-hmm. since COVID. I think now it could do. I'm not convinced. I don't think it will. I think it'll get very close. Um, and it'll be very impressive and sort of a... I think it will be a moment for people realise cinemas are kind of kind of come back in a big way i guess mm-hmm. um i think yeah i don't see it getting a billion but i see it getting very close do you think it's going to get a billion i think i think if if it, if it's if it is good or at least if people think it's good mm-hmm. i think it will be but if if people are disappointed in any way i think it probably will fall short i don't think yeah. it'll be a case of blowing past the billion mark i think yeah. it will be around a billion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, all, I don't think all, it. All things go well. Because people are, I think some people are expecting they're bigger than Endgame, which, mm-hmm. which to be fair, I, I guess from my personal experience, like just people that I know in life and stuff like that, it does have a similar kind of effect. Like I have been talking to people about this film more than you talk about the average film coming out. <laughs> like people. People are aware that a Matrix film is coming out, but I haven't really had a consistent battle with anyone beyond, oh, that's this for the trailer or something like that. Like, oh, it's a new one. Like, yeah. And But this one's kind of like a, a advent calendar of like three days to go, two days to go, like that mm. sort of thing. And I haven't, that hasn't really been around since Endgame for me, I guess. Mm. I don't think I've had that around with like just general people that I know. Um, it is. It it does actually feel different. Like I get people who are who are comparing it, but Endgame was like a genuine excitement and intrigue, knowing how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Whereas No Way Home kind of feels like a, like a mystery box kind of thing. <laughs> it's a it's more it's more box. intrigue of is it going to be what I think it is? Yeah, I think it's not necessarily a oh my god, it's going to be the final battle. We're going to see Thanos face off against the remaining Avengers. It's the end of 10 years or 11 years worth of storytelling. Mm. This is more, could it Could, could, could it be? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I think because um, of Endgame, we all had our theories going in and we definitely have all our theories going into this film as well. But it's more just, we would look at the trailers and we have no idea what's happening, mm-hmm. but we're hearing all these behind the scenes things and all these, you know, pictures getting leaked and whatever. And I think mm-hmm. that's, the difference is not that we knew it's going to be the finale and we know what we know from the trailers. It's more that we know what we know because people kind of secretly told us, like from behind the scenes, <laughs> um, and we're kind of getting excited about what this film could be, like you said. And I think, yeah, I think everyone has their take on it. I think everyone, everyone's either, yep, Toby's in it, and people, everyone's going to come back and they're going to be in the film for a full hour, and other people are like, oh, it's going to be just the villains, and that's going to be it. And mm-hmm. everyone, you know, everyone has their own take on it, and everyone has their own take on 
the identity thing and MJ maybe being killed and all that sort of thing and Ned Hoplog, Hobgoblin maybe I don't know like there's it is a mystery box sort of thing and yeah I and it, I think it, the big deal about this film compared to Endgame is Infinity War was the film before it and it sets up you know the stakes of the next film really well and I would say Far From Home is a very similar thing at the very end I think it has that sort of way for part two sort of effect um, mm-hmm. but I think yeah I wouldn't say that kind of especially in a COVID world, I don't think that sort of part two hype would have this amount of hype that it's gotten. Mm-hmm. I think it's all came from behind the scenes sort of things. Um, and rather than end game being what could happen with these characters, it's more with this film, who's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of leads into the other worrying element about Blockbuster at the moment, which is nostalgia. And because, mm. I mean, if this film is going to be a Raimi, and it clearly is, honestly, it is a Raimi, uh, Andrew Garfield, like nostalgia, look at this thing we managed to get back from the past, um, then it's, because oh, we've kind of, we've kind of got to the point now where we're not only bringing things back from the 80s and 90s but now we've got to, to the 2000s <laughs> um, which is all, yeah it's only 20 years ago and since that time period there's only been the Marvel films as the big films that have been coming out so I'm curious as to what is going forward what is the nostalgia cycle going to pick next because mm. there's not that much left <laughs> um, and I I'm just wondering if everyone's going to cinema to see these films and this is what we want to see and at some point studios realize that they kind of ran out of things that everyone loves from the past um yeah and i don't know where we're going to go from that point on um mm-hmm. would you say that nostalgia is very concerning at the moment <laughs> it is it is it's something that used wrong just feels nothing falls flatter than a false bit of nostalgia <laughs> yeah. Nostalgia used well is a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Um it, you know, it's it, it's a special thing even. But if it if it's not done right and if it doesn't have the right amount of care or attention given to it, it just feels like an insult. Mm-hmm. If yeah. it, it feels transparently you've just manipulated my childhood into making a film. Mm-hmm. Um I naturally I'm not someone that's entirely against nostalgia i think it, it like i said it can be a wonderful thing if used right mm-hmm. and i think yeah. we have seen a lot of cases of it of it used right mm-hmm. we have also seen a lot of cases of it used not so well or just <laughs> dysfunctionally uh, i think for example like we said uh, the recent ghostbusters film mm. if that wasn't directed by the son of the original guy yeah i think it could have come across as very false yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, but knowing knowing that you know there's a lot of legacy involved in it, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have that concern. Yeah. It's still maybe there in the back of your mind, but you sort of think, well, it, it's not that bad, nostalgia-wise. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it can't just be a case of, hey, look at this thing. Don't you remember it? Mm-hmm. Come on, tell us how much you remember it. Yeah. It needs to be actually or doing something with it. 
Um, and as, as we said, it's kind of weird for us as well to have something so wrapped up in nostalgia from a, t- like a period when we were actually still actually alive. Yeah, because I think this is probably the best example of something popular from our lives yeah. coming back. Because I think maybe maybe we didn't exactly see the first few in the cinema. Yeah, but that's I, what, yeah. at least Spider Man Three. I, I I seem to remember I saw Spider Man Three in cinemas. I did too. Yeah, and I remember it very well as well. <laughs> like it's yeah. <laughs> it's very weird that I'm about to see Tori Maguire possibly come back, or even just you know the Sandman, and it's. It's weird that I saw that character and I saw that world only 13, 14 years ago. Mm. Um, it feels much longer. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think I'm just worried as like as to where we go from here because with Star Wars as well, we've also kind of caught up with ourselves because we have, we've got Hayden Christensen, we've got Obi-Wan Kenobi so coming out. Um, so it's, we're at a point now where not only are we, because wasn't even that long ago where the prequels were the most hated thing on the planet. <laughs> and now we're at a point where just because it's part of this big name brand and to be fair, it's you know, I do I do quite like the prequels of what they're going for. I might not agree with all the choices and all that, but I think just because it's part of the brand and all that sort of thing, it's it kind of gets overtaken by the idea that it's something nostalgic and something that, that needs to come back and just be the way it was. Um and I do think it's kind of worrying because I don't, for me, I don't really, I never had the opinion that I needed to see Darth Vader or Obi-Wan before New Hope. Mm-hmm. And, but we are getting that. And a big part of the marketing so far is literally just they're going to meet again and have some sort of duel. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, I'm excited for it, I guess, but I'm kind of disheartened by it because it's, it's, kind of you know we'll find out how it works out but it's kind of just saying don't worry about what we did you know in the original film because we can just we can just you know do some hand waving and kind of just do the same thing again and again mm-hmm. um and you know i'll probably be very hy- hyped to see it and i'll be very excited to see what happens with that show but it's just can we not get a tv show about the high republic maybe or mm-hmm. A completely new character or something like that and yeah i just would rather want that from star wars than what we've kind of gotten um yeah because at the same time we also have boba fett coming out mm-hmm. which i honest to god i feel really bad but i totally forgot that was coming out <laughs> um but yeah we have that and i think this month is going to be really interesting in terms of what's coming out because we have no way home and we have resurrections mm-hmm. and boba fett and i think Depending on who the it's weird to, it's weird to say this, but who the winner is, I guess, like box office wise and critical wise, I wonder audience wise at least, I wonder what message we're sending because I don't think Matrix Resurrections will be quite, you know, nostalgic in the sense that it'll just do the same thing from the first film again. Um mm-hmm. I think it'll probably be quite subversive. In fact I've heard people that somehow I don't know how but some of the people that have seen this film last year somehow I can't remember how um but they were like don't expect it to be the Matrix one again which is my main fear with the film coming out is I don't want the first Matrix film again but 20 years later and mm-hmm. why do you think a lot of people that are watching that film do you want to see that because we're kind of used to that being the reboot sequel 20 years later 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if if Norway Home, and I think it probably will, and if Norway Home is literally just everyone's back and we're doing Toby, we're doing Andrew, we're playing the Elfman music, we're playing all this, and we're, you know, we might, you know, hint towards Tori Maguire coming back for Doctor Strange 2 or whatever. It, and it is worrying if if that's the way we want to see nostalgia reproduced rather mm-hmm. than like the Matrix where it's coming from the original director who's kind of looking at this story again from her new lens 20 years later. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm worried about that. And I think, do you think that, do you, do, well, do you think that Norway Home will be just nostalgic for a lot of the runtime? <laughs> I, I think it's not a stretch to think it will be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, I think I have seen enough in the marketing to of assure me that maybe it's, that won't be all it is. Oh shit! Uh, sorry. Um, I think <laughs> I think there will be elements of nostalgia if they are there, even if it's just the villains. I definitely think there will be an element of nostalgia. But from the trailers, with the whole thing that we're seeing with maybe there at least being some kind of court case or some kind of what does it mean to be Spider-Man kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. If that is strong in the film, yeah. if that isn't just a five-minute section at the start, and if that is something of a driving force behind the film, mm-hmm. I think it will manage to avoid being a nostalgia fest. Yeah. Um, because, it, like I said, being someone that has said how much I do like nostalgia done well, I don't want two and a half hours of purely nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the end of the day, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is still the current Spider-Man. This is his Spider-Man film. Yeah. Um, and if it takes a similar vein of Into the Spider-Verse, where there's a lot of themes and and ideas of what it means to be Spider-Man, and exactly what Spider-Man means to means to audiences, then mm-hmm. I think we're in for something special. Yeah. But you know, there there is always that, that in the back of your mind. What if it is if it's not done right? Mm. But I, I I kind of like to remain optimistic about this. I have faith in it. Yeah, I, I'm really hoping to. And I mm. think, I mean, I, I re- recently I rewatched every Spider-Man movie before No Way Home, and I forgot that. For me, Far From Home, is, I have my issues with it, but I think looking back at Homecoming, I forgot that I did get a sense from John Watts that like he did understand the character very well and mm. cared about what the character meant. I just, I'm just wondering if that kind of care and attention can still remain obvious amongst so much villains and heroes that are from the past sort of thing. and. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of plot to this film as well, because it's not just people coming back and having a bit of a fight. It's going to be for a reason, and every character has to, has to have their own motivation. And it's going to be interesting seeing how they do that in a two-and-a-half-hour runtime. Yeah. Um, so I can imagine it's going to be a very plot-heavy film, but at the same time, we do have a perfect, perf- perfect example in the past of the animated Spider-Man film Into the Spider-Verse where that film similarly has a lot of plot to get through and does it very, very well. And that mm-hmm. film has a really strong heart. And 
I hope the case is the same here. I thought I hope that before anything else, the film has a really strong heart to it, and uses Tobey Maguire or even just Doc Ock, for example. Even even if it's just him, like even just like using that character for a really strong purpose for Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I already think already from the trailer, if they do properly address the fact that all these villains die fighting Spider-Man, they have to send them back to their own universe. Mm, yeah. If that is something that's properly addressed, that's another thing that points to this film actually be actually you know being something special. Yeah, definitely. It could, I think as well because of I think so far with Tom Holland, we've seen quite a like an optimistic kind of kid throughout the entire films he's been in. Mm-hmm. He's very rarely kind of cynical about anything. And I think it'd be really interesting if they decide to go down this route of him interacting with Andrew or, you know, Doc Ock or whoever. And it's it's a case of him realising that in everyone else's, everyone else's experiences, it's not an easy job as it has been for Tom in some ways. Because mm-hmm. I think Tom, Tom Spider-Man kind of really enjoys it the entire way through. Mm-hmm. I mean, he obviously has like some, some troubles and tribulations, but he's always just very excited to be around and doing his thing. And I think it'll be interesting having... Toby be like, oh yeah, I, you know, I had a hand in killing my best friend's dad, and then <laughs> he came back, and, and then my mentor became Doc Hawk, and then he killed himself, and like it'd be like, it would be very interesting you know, seeing how he reacts to how complicated being this character can be, and how it might change him. Because I think for me, going from Far From Home, I was really excited to see just a movie about Peter Parker, and I got very worried when it became a movie about all these other things. But I'm wondering if it that's all going to be there to tell a story about Peter Parker still. Mm-hmm. And if it is, I think that could be very, very good. But we'll see. <laughs> um, and I think that leads into just the nostalgia thing of if they use this poorly, and by that I mean just bringing them back for the sake of bringing them back and having them do some iconic sort of scenes or uh, from the past or some pauses that they did in the past, and it's that's kind of it it does ring kind of hollow and kind mm-hmm. of worrying that even if even if audiences say this is a bad film, everyone's still already bought their tickets. And yeah. that's what they listen to more than anything else mm-hmm. is how much money it's going to get. So it's it's a bit concerning. And I hope that, I hope The Matrix doesn't get quieted down by the No Way Home coming out in the same month. Mm-hmm. Um, because it doesn't, I think it deserves more of its own I think, I think, honestly, I think it's unfortunate that, that Matrix film is coming out this month mm-hmm. just because I wanted to have its own month to itself. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not going to get that, I don't think, um, which is a shame. I think it's also a weird timing to bring out just before Christmas, like literally two days before. Yeah, <laughs> it's normally you expect them to be maybe a week or two before. Yeah, this is, it's a weird choice, but I hope it goes well. Um, it is the Matrix. I do forget people do like the Matrix. <laughs> it's not some sort of niche thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, and yeah, I just yeah, I'm just a bit worried about what it could mean if that film is just nostalgia and it gets a billion dollars. Because um, mm-hmm. people don't go see, they just don't see films that aren't a part of a franchise anymore very often. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a shame. And I think I think the only thing studios can do if they want to make more kind of outside of franchise films, it's just 
take down the budget a lot for the smaller films. Mm-hmm. And that means we can't really get another Matrix because the first Matrix film was some sort of weird project by the two people that just had an idea and they gave them quite a bit of money and it went quite well and they made a franchise out of it. But I don't think that can happen very often again if from now on a budget for a small film that's not an IP is going to be like $10 million, mm-hmm. <laughs> not at least 100 for just to get some sort of some sort of actual set build. <laughs> like, it's going to be a bit worrying. And yeah, I'm just, I don't think, do you think we're going to have many more original blockbusters coming out in the next decade that are going to be big hits? I think it's difficult to see it happening. Mm-hmm. I suppose yeah. the closest we've got is there being June, but even then, June's based on a series of very famous books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and by, I, a pre, I, by a pre-established director as well. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Someone mm-hmm. that has done those kind of films before to a great critical success. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we did kind of celebrate June's success because it did actually do quite well in the box office. Yeah, I was very happy with that. <laughs> um, and we did celebrate that. But at the same time, it's still, that isn't an original idea. Mm-hmm. The only way we're really going to see huge budget, budget original ideas is if we have Christopher Nolan make them. <laughs> yeah. But if Christopher Nolan's the one making them, then Christopher Nolan's the one who's always going to make them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And even, even people like you know, Scorsese directs a lot of films that are based on books. Mm-hmm. I think the new one he's doing at the moment is based on a book, if I believe. I think so, yeah. Um, and so it, it is difficult to see where that matrix is going to come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I suppose, is it, was it also a unique thing at the time? Um, I think, I, yeah, I think it probably was. I think. I mean, I, I think it's definitely rarer now because there, there are, there are no. I suppose it's a free guy, maybe. <laughs> I guess it. I guess it was, but it well, was still. Even then, it's from someone who has produced popular big budget or mid to big budget things before. Is it Sean Levy? Yeah, yeah, that was it. You know, he, he did the um, the museum films and uh, Stranger Things as well. Obviously, directed that. So again, it is still from someone. It isn't exactly this person that's come out of nowhere. Yeah, and even even that film, at certain points, just because the studio owns them, at some point just goes, oh, he has Captain America sealed, or a lightsaber. Mm. Yeah, um, it's weird that even in a film that was praised for being so like a, an original IP movie that came out that was popular, it still had to rely on the studio owned some things <laughs> that it could They're put still, in. Yeah. There um, still had to be things that people recognised. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I literally, literally like today, I saw a clip on Twitter. It was, and I can't believe I'm talking about this, but I'm talking about Fortnite. <laughs> um, um, I never played Fortnite. I also have no idea what you do in Fortnite. But, um, For the record, I've never played it either. <laughs> and it was this, it was a clip of a person in some sort of, you know, the avatar was like, I don't know, like it was like some sort of tiger, but the tiger was wearing um, like Spider-Man hand gloves and the Captain America shield. And that meant that the character in the game could swing around on webs and use Captain America shield. And 
you know, we have other stuff like that. You know, we have Star Wars characters that are now available in Fortnite and all that sort of thing. And it's, I'm worried, I'm like wondering watching it, is that the future for big blockbuster sort of things? Is it just going to be someone wears the Captain America shield at the same time as having Spider-Man gloves? Like that sort of thing. Mm. Because they're two iconic things. The studio owns both of them. You can put them together and you have something that everyone can go, oh, I know I know that thing. It's kind of like a buzz in my mind. That's that, that thing I remember from that other thing. And is that going to be for a, a while? Is it just going to be that thing that we remember, but put together with something else that we also remember? Um, because you can argue that in the way of the event, the Avengers as a film, when it came out, was kind of that. It was Iron Man came out, Iron Man 2 came out, 4, and uh, Captain America. And the Avengers was kind of like, let's put them together. So it's all these things that we remember coming together and let's see how they interact together. And mm-hmm. but I think it's kind of mutated to the point where it's a bit, it's kind of just anything goes. You know, you can have a character with a lightsaber at the same time as Captain America's shield or mm-hmm. somewhere in Iron Man's suit at the same time as, you know, whatever. And it's, it's just, I don't know. I'm not looking forward to the time period where we get to, you know, Marvel versus Star Wars maybe being a real thing that could happen. Yeah, yeah, that's not something that I, I don't really never wanted it. that. I never every time, pe- every time people mention Marvel versus DC, it's something that sends a shiver down my spine. Yeah, me too. I I just hate the idea of it, and I think it just no matter how it's handled, it just will that sort of stuff will always feel incredibly disorders to me. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's literally a studio going, what do we own? How do we put them together? And how do we, you know, because it, it will, that will, that if, that if that does get made, which it, I don't want to say it will get made at some point, but it's sad that it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, I just, I don't like the idea that that's the future we're going towards. And apparently what audiences want to see um which for me is very confusing. And I'm mm. wondering at what point does even just general casual audiences go, this is too much even for them. Yeah. You don't, like they're not looking for, you know, it's very kind of pretentious, but they're not looking for, you know, artistic expressions of the, of the soul from the creator or anything like that. They just, they just want to have a good time and send them very relief and have some popcorn. And that's, that's fine. People, you know, people sometimes look at films like entertainment and that's fine. And that just that, and that's fine. But um, I just wonder if there's ever going to be a point in time where everyone, even people that don't treat it seriously, are like, "That's ridiculous!" <laughs> like we've went too far with this. Like I love seeing Toby and Andrew interact and all that, but don't want to see Toby McGuire interact with Darth Vader. Not really. <laughs> just really don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and recently as well, watching. Rewatching every Spider-Man film, it was interesting watching how sequel kind of hints were utilized in the first three films. Yeah, it's for all the faults and messiness of Spider-Man Three, the fault isn't that it's trying to make a sequel. It's just trying to tell its own story with a lot of characters. Um, and I think you know we have little hints like the Doctor Connors is his teacher. Um. Someone says the word Eddie, Eddie Brock in like the first film for a second and that's it. Um, you know, you have you have like background hints. It's not 
the film never really relied upon it, but and then we get to the MCU where it's almost a given that they have to at some point mention the Avengers or have every scene involve some sort of background Easter egg. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering as well, how far do we go to the point where it's films become how many videos can you make on YouTube about Easter eggs in the background? Because <laughs> they are quite popular at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's weird. How how do you feel about fan culture, <laughs> like in general? Um, pushing aside the fact that people can be dicks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think to a certain point it can be very fun. Mm-hmm. However, when it's constant, every every little thing, overanalyzed kind of thing, mm-hmm. it can almost take the joy out. It can make it a tad exhausting. Yeah. And I think the best sort of the best way to do it is to just be involved in it and maybe have your own theories about how things are going to go, mm-hmm. and be able to say, "Oh, hey, that that's fun, that little background thing." Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, I think they released a clip or something for for, for No Way Home, and as Peter's swinging through the city or whatever with MJ, you see the billboard for the Rogers musical, which is in Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm is great mm-hmm. because it's something that's in the background and it's something that just enhances the fact that it's the same world mm-hmm. but i think when you it's when you try to fit that in especially when with dialogue i think it's almost most obvious with dialogue mm-hmm. in the forcing references in there it takes you out of it yeah you know yeah. there's a line where it stops being some nice little world building thing to show everything's connected and it becomes like a punch in the face reminder saying remember that this thing exists as well mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um, I, yeah, yeah. I, think yeah it, I think i think for the for the most part that kind of thing hasn't really gone massively too far yet i think i think for the most part it's still very enjoyable mm-hmm. yeah i think I think there's there's a kind of a I don't know how to describe it, but you kind of know the clear difference between a reference and a punch in the face, like you say. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a line that sometimes get cro- gets crossed, and I think it's weird because I I really I really love a lot of the sequel trilogy, the Star Wars sequel, uh, the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are moments, especially I would say in, in Force Awakens, where I kind of can't help but just look away from the screen and go ah, this is a bad choice <laughs> and it's it's not so much the you know a new death star sort of thing even though that scene where they describe it being bigger is always really funny to me um but i think it's like the moments like little small moments that kind of just punch you in the face of like here's mm-hmm. the the um what do you call it like the, the laser ball that luke, luke trains within the first film like that sort of thing where a character looks at an old thing and picks it up and goes, oh, it's that thing, and we all go, oh, it's that thing, and then we all move, move past it and all that. For me, that's always been like a moment where it's like, why is it there, aside from that little jolt of like happiness you get from an old thing that came back? Um, or even a scene where even a scene where um, uh, Finn is on like the the little desk that they play the little game on, the hologram mm-hmm. game thing on. Yeah, and it, yeah takes like a good 10 seconds of time in that film of them just going look at the holodeck thing and that's i just yeah i don't need that it's just move past it continue the scene because i was in i was really 
interested in seeing Han Solo and where he's he's at now. And I don't really need that moment. I think I do think that in some ways there's a scene in Free Guy. Did you see Free Guy, by the way? I did, yes. Okay, yeah. And I think there's a scene in Free Guy at the very, at the very end where Chris Evans pops up for a bit. <clears throat> and it's it's a moment where everyone kind of goes, oh, it's him. But if you look on like online on social media, general audiences aren't talking about how the film was or how much they might have liked an, an action sequence or the finale or whatever. It's all about how Chris Evans popped up. Mm-hmm. Like I, that's all I heard about that film before it came out and yeah. before I saw yeah. it even. And it's just crazy that no matter what that film does, no matter how well written it could have been or whatever, the biggest thing it could have done to get an audience attention was have an actor that we all know come up for one second, um, which is weird. It's really weird. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just don't know. I just don't know where we're going with all this this machine of just. Mm-hmm. get something that we know and put it in front of the screen and everyone will love it no matter what mm-hmm. mm. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah it's just but, very bleak yeah. isn't it <laughs> it is very bleak one of the bleakest episodes we've ever done it might have been yeah because i think usually we're on the side of oh you know if it's good it's good so it doesn't really matter but i think you know i think this month is just going to be a very big month for how where we're going with movies, I guess. Because, yeah. um, you know, COVID, we can't really control COVID. It's n- not Hollywood's fault, I, I guess. But mm-hmm. it's it's definitely had a big effect. And it's really, it's just made extremely clear what general audiences want to see and what studios are, are taking from that and yeah. what they're just going to keep on making for potentially a very long time. Um, yeah, it, it could potentially set the scene for a very long time. Yeah. And I, I I wonder if we ever hit a point, and I would be very happy when this happens, I think, if we ever hit a point where studios go, we're running out of things we can, we can go back to, mm-hmm. and they start having sort of, I don't know, getting people to come in to make completely new IPs. Because even, mm-hmm. though, even though it is an IP, and even though it will be a franchise, and even though there will be a lot of bad attempts at making a universe like Marvel and all that sort of thing, at the very least it will be brand new, and it will be... Mm-hmm be trying to get something out of it for a long term and it won't be just be a small movie with a little budget because no one will go see it they're going to try and make a new matrix or whatever um sort of experience um yeah i i'm wondering i hope we get to that point even though it's a bit still not great because the movies are still going to be made to be ips but at least it'll be original and not just mm-hmm what we know coming back again um yeah it's yeah it's kind of unfortunate um, i don't really know how to make it happier <laughs> yeah how do, how do we bring it back to on my hopeful tone um do you want to talk i don't know do you want to just mention why in your opinion sometimes nostalgia isn't the worst thing <laughs> um yeah i think nostalgia you used right it can be a wonderful sort of little gateway to new things like you said mm-hmm. and i think for me the best example for that is the force awakens mm-hmm. and the, i i thinking about it i don't think i don't really think if there's a better way in which nostalgia has ever been used mm-hmm. because while at times it can be very giddy we're doing star wars and the plot mirrors <laughs> a new hope a lot 
Mm-hmm. I accept that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to argue that it does resemble the original film. Mm-hmm. The fact that you know the characters mainly are used sparingly, and the fact that you know there's a new story being set up. Yeah, it's something that, especially in the way it helps you become endeared to those new characters. Mm-hmm. And alternatively, a way in which nostalgia can also be be used well is that in finales, and it worked with Endgame, and I think it worked it worked with Rise of Skywalker. It's, if it's used in the right way, it can also be used as quite an effective emotional payoff. Yeah, yeah. Um. There are, there, are, there are several examples in Endgame um, where, you know, if it had happened in the first Avengers film or if it happened in just one of the first films, it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. But because you've built 10 years worth of a fondness towards the characters, it does work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, in that way, nostalgia, because it does, it, if you rightly use sparingly, it can elicit, elicit a very specific. And very personal emotion because everybody has different connections to these characters. Mm-hmm. The Uraimi trilogy, for example, everyone has a different memory. Mm-hmm. Whether it be watching it with your parents, whether it be watching it on your own or whatever, watching it with friends, going to the cinema to see it. Maybe it was one of your first cinema experiences. Mm-hmm. Everybody has that special memory of it. Yeah. And if that memory is respected and it's not just used as a, as a cash grab, and it, I suppose at the end of the day, if someone watching it feels that their memory's been appreciated, mm-hmm. it can it can do a lot. Yeah, it's just like I said, sparingly. It can't be everything. <laughs> if it's yeah. everything, it loses that specialness, and it just becomes, oh great, I'm being manipulated again, which it doesn't have to be, because mm-hmm. when done right, it's not. It's not manipulative. It it feels heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose that's what I'm hoping for from 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 No Way Home. That fact yeah. of here's here's something that you remember fondly. We're not going to abuse mm-hmm. it. We're going to earn the right to use it in this story, and it's going to have a place. And it's going to have significance for this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and from what I've seen so far, I'd like to believe that that is what we're going to get. Yeah, I I, to- I agree as well. I think so far mm-hmm. it doesn't look that way. I think. It, 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 it's just a little the little danger in the back of your mind <laughs> yeah it's just the you paranoia. Concern. You just, yeah it's, it's you know I think I, I kind of I like this kind of halfway point between if we're going to bring something back can we at least kind of interrogate it and kind of try to change it at the yeah. same time as kind of being respectful towards it um, I think for me my example my perfect example of that is The Last Jedi where I think that film is very interrogative and very kind of almost mean to some of the old things that we believe are Star Wars until the very end where it kind of reaffirms some of the values that Star Wars has always had, even if it's a bit different now. Um, and I kind of always thought that that's the way to go with these old films coming back in the sequel. Um, yeah. And I think, I, yeah, I just, if Toby comes back, for example, for me, I, I have a very strong connection with that character and that yeah. trilogy and I think I, I think I always described it whenever I would hear people talk about Star Wars when the new one was coming out I was like oh I think I get it now because I think with Star Wars that that's my you know Raimi trilogy that's mm-hmm. kind of the way I feel about those films and yeah I think there's a risk of 
because when I look, when I look back on the Spider-Man franchise, the trilogy that recently, and I imagined I can try to try to keep on imagine the idea of Spider-Man Four, and or just like being in like their opening day seeing Spider-Man Two, and having no idea that it's going to be just a trilogy, and then we're going to finish it, and then maybe come back to it in a multiverse film twenty years later. <laughs> um, but I like the idea of just imagining that it was an ongoing series, and what really struck me was that I was not going to be excited about the fourth film because the fourth Spider-Man film of Raimi because he would be back doing the same thing with Spider-Man 2. I wanted him, you know, I was excited about the idea of Tobey Maguire coming back and Sam Raimi coming back to Spider-Man 4 and doing the next chapter, which was a progression from the Spider-Man 3 and not just Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man 1 again. Um, mm-hmm. And I do wonder if, because we spent so much time away from it and we want to see it, we want to see it so desperately again, I don't want to. I don't want to lose the idea that the fact that the hype around those films wasn't so much going back to it. It was what happened next, not just how can we recreate the upside down kiss again, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I'm hoping. I know it hasn't got it hasn't got a lot of time on its hands, but I hope that No Way Home has scenes that are dedicated to at least explaining that life went on after the films ended <laughs> um there was you know peter parker after spider-man 3 and peter parker after amazing spider-man 2 and mm-hmm. it isn't just going to be there exactly how you remember them the spider-man 3 just just ended and toby is now here and i don't really want that i want it to be a history of chains between that and this and i think yeah. i think that's the ultimate kind of um, sign as to whether or not they want to just cash in on something or actually try to progress it forward in a new mm. interesting way um, I hope it's the latter I hope they're trying to like really progress the characters and kind of inject them into this new franchise which would be very interesting because upon rewatch I cannot see Tori Maguire in the MCU at all <laughs> um, No it's difficult isn't it Yeah even Andrew, kind of, I can kind of see it more of him, but even that is feels odd. But yeah, tone like it feels so different. Yeah, the tone is so different. The I was watching it with friends as well, and I was very worried watching Spider Man Two for the first time, and Spider Man One as well, obviously. But entire trilogy, I was I was very concerned that there was going to be some sort of dislike just because it wasn't the MCU as we know it. Mm-hmm. Um, because the tone of the MCU has been set in stone for a decade now, and we mm-hmm. it's all kind of a, it's dramatic at times, it's but it's kind of jokey at the same time. It's very kind of it points at itself and laughs at some point, at some points, and it but at the same time when it needs to, it it's quite serious. Um, but the Raimi films are this, they are in essence the the Donna Superman films just twenty years later. And they are big, broad, campy movies that just treat the characters very seriously, and that's mm-hmm. it. Like the perfect example was we watched Spider-Man Two, and someone said, um, uh, "Why is the the bank scene? Uh, why is the why have they got coins and bags and not banknotes? That makes no <laughs> sense." And I'm like, "Yeah, it makes no sense, but that's what this world is. It's not the real world at all. It's just it's just real characters in this insane world." Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just little things like that that kind of worry me about can I see Toby in the MCU interacting mm-hmm. with even like you know 
Hawkeye. I can't see it happening. <laughs> it's just weird. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering where it's going to go. And yeah, I, just, mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It, how they how they manage that, if they, yeah, it's... Because it is, it's everything. Even like the way the camera looks at Toby. Mm-hmm. Like it's a lot of close-ups on him in those Jamie films. Mm-hmm. And with that very specific sort of grading of the, of the the sort of golden glow, yeah, those films have. Mm-hmm. That's just not the MCU. It's not at all. No. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's difficult to see, but I guess we'll see what they do. I know, and I, I know John Watson mentioned they try to replicate the they call, they call it Raimi Cam. Yeah, like the the crash zooms sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting <laughs> to see how that pans out. It's mm. <laughs> another thing as well. I was in Spider-Man Three. There's this moment where um, the the black suit of Spider-Man is trying to like rip, rip apart this like the sewer thing, and it's going to explode this, this water on the Sandman. And mm-hmm. the camera does this thing where it crash zooms on the on like these little buttons getting like pinged away, and then it crash zooms on Sandman's face. And it does this repeatedly for about a minute, not a minute, like 10 seconds of like crash zooms on little things going away and Sandman's face. And the reaction that everyone had was like interesting camera work, like in a, like, a kind of like a, a sarcasm way of like it's bad. And I was like, no, it's very good. It's just we don't see it very often anymore. And it's kind of unusual to you, I think. <laughs> um, it's just different. And it's very Sam Raimi. And I... We don't get very often kind of director-driven films in this franchise that often, I would say. At least, visu- at least visually, I would say. Mm. Um, no, visually, no, no. Yeah. yeah, we very rarely get a film that feels distinct, I would say, in visually. And I think it's weird as well because at the moment, and we're watching Harry Potter before Christmas because they feel quite Christmassy, and every film looks so different and feels so different. But it completely works. And I'm wondering why Marvel haven't ever just thought it worked for Harry Potter, we can do the same thing with our films. And they haven't done that yet. And I'm it's kind of a bit disappointing for me because I think phase one at least, I think they did that quite well. And I think yeah. the magic of the Avengers was seeing those different visual styles come together and somehow work. But now because everything looks the same, it's kind of just feels like well yeah Iron Man would do that in that in that you know he would go to New York and see Spider Man that makes sense because they have a very similar feeling to them now the characters mm-hmm. um, yes yeah, so I, I it's just weird because I think it's the first time where something's being plucked out of something else and put into the yeah. MCU yeah, it was always almost done with the intention of it being in there yeah but this time it just wasn't intended that way yeah it wasn't <laughs> um, even conceived of yeah and it's it's quite nice looking back now to watch those earlier films and imagine that it was a part of some big plan that mm-hmm. it had for spider-man <laughs> you know it definitely wasn't but it gives it it does give it a bit more of a, a path to go down in your mind yeah which is quite nice um mm. yeah but <laughs> it's gonna be very weird i think <laughs> very weird anything else any other points you want to make um no i think i think that's also quite a happy point <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess it was. Is there anything else you wanna you wanna mention? Um, not really. I think I don't know. I think there's you know it's a it's a weird landscape at the moment, and I think it's 
at a very crisis point of because of COVID and all that sort of thing. And uh, I think it's this, this weird point of it feels like we're on the edge of something quite dramatic happening with blockbusters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's quite worrying. And I think for me, the tipping point was The Last Duel and West Side Story, which are big movies by big directors and a big cast. And they did very poorly. But Spider-Man gets, you know, it's sold out on day one. Um, yeah. Just a bit, it's, it is quite worrying. Um, mm-hmm. no, matter, no matter how much I love Marvel, how excited I am for Marvel, I, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It is, it, mm, yeah. <laughs> I kind of Scary. almost, yeah, I kind of almost miss the days where back when X-Men were coming out or Raimi films coming out, where Marvel kind of felt like the underdog. Mm-hmm. And like every good Marvel film, felt like some sort of miracle, <laughs> and it's like a real victory. Yeah, because at the moment we just have, we just kind of have, you know, it's kind of it's assured at least that the films will be well liked and have a good box office in in a very you know, even the worst Marvel film and the worst box office is still better than most big films coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of just weird, I guess, to kind of be a fan of something that's so, not popular, but just feels kind of like it has all the, it has everything going for it and you are supporting it. And it feels, I don't know, it just feels, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to describe. I know what you mean. I know yeah. what you mean. You want to root for the underdog, but there's no underdog anymore. So it's just the big film. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Things definitely feel... They feel like things are changing, and it, it's sort of the uncertainty of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and ju- ju- just sort of the, the feeling of there's just less films. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Well, at least it feels like there are less films. Um, feel, yeah, I get that feeling too. But yeah, um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens this next month because it is a big month. Mm, but yeah. It, it, yeah, it does feel like we're on the verge of a kind of change. Yeah. I think we'll have to have like a sequel to this podcast where we'd come back in January. We should, like, yeah, that's a good idea. That could be like yeah. our first one back. Yeah, do you like, what happened this month? <laughs> <laughs> What's our assessment? Yeah, because yeah, I have no idea how it's going to go. Like, I know mm-hmm. Spider-Man will do very well, but The Matrix and all that sort of thing, I don't know. I'm wondering how it's going to go. I kind of, it's kind of, kind of, yeah, they're a big, a big question mark. Yeah, weird month. Dick, very dick month as well. Yeah, uh, big month. Yeah, but yeah, uh, is that us then? Are we? I think that's us. Cool. Okay, yeah. I'll wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> um, well, yeah, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, it's a bit. It's kind of bleak for a long time. Um, talk about We've the never death been <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, we might. You know. We do a sequel to this podcast and talk about what happened this month because it's a lot happening. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed. Let's let you know again. We do have an Instagram account at Marvel Sunnel Podcast where we do uh, reviews and podcasts usually on Monday. Um, at the moment, like I said before, we have got a lot, of, got a lot, got a lot of work going on. Um, but we will probably be back very soon, up to you know the usual standard, I think. Mm-hmm. And and then after that. What I usually say. Oh yeah, Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, we really a... haven't done this for a while. <laughs> yeah, have a Twitter account at Cinema Marvelous. Same thing over there. Um, yeah, feel free to contact us or review us. 
uh, positively. <laughs> um, feel free to contact us or share us or retweet or comment or whatever. Um, yeah, very much appreciated. And yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.